What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the WWE on Fox Friday Night SmackDown Roundup. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, here to cap off another week with you listening to me ramble about all my thoughts regarding Friday Night SmackDown this week as we begin our journey towards the Royal Rumble. Royal Rumble season is in full swing. We got qualifying matches. We got a qualifying match. We got uh, someone declaring themselves. We got Royal Rumble world title match set. So let's just dive right in to all of it. Oh, wait, quick, before I do that minor programming note, there will be a new add a character next week. Like I said uh, in the Monday roundup, I was recording one this week, recorded one with an NXT superstar, and that's how we're kicking off the new year, starting on Wednesday of next week. All right, let's get into the show now. The show began with Roman Reigns coming out with Paul Heyman. The rest of the bloodline were already ringside. Roman did his usual opening, and Sami Zayn followed it up by saying, 2023 will continue to be the year of the bloodline. Roman says, before talking about 2023, he wants to talk about last year and how some would say they lost last week and how he had to think about it long and hard, only to realize that it was Sami who lost last week, not him. Roman tells Sammy that it's embarrassing to call your shot and lose, and then asks if Sammy wants to be the tribal chief. Are you trying to be like me? Do you think you could do things better than me? Roman then loses his temper and starts screaming at Sami Zayn, but Kevin Owens' music hits. KO says Roman's misdirected anger should not be pointed towards Sammy. That misdirected anger isn't about Sammy, it's about him. He's actually mad at KO, and then Kevin challenges Roman to a title match at Royal Rumble. Roman says, yeah, sure, whatever. He just wants KO to leave forever. KO says he'll see Sammy whenever he manages to dig Roman's balls out of his pocket. All right, this match was confirmed later in the show. Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns for the Undisputed Universal Championship at Royal Rumble. I'm so hyped on this. I really, I mean, like, I've been saying it for a while. I thought it was going to be Sheamus, or I thought it was going to be Kevin Owens. They've been kind of going back and forth. But now that, ever since War Games, they've been going in full swing towards Roman Reigns versus Kevin Owens. And here's what I think. You know, everybody says that they think that this whole angle is going to end with the bloodline turning on Sami Zayn. But, I think differently. Now that we've seen Roman Reigns finally snap on Sami Zayn, even though he pulled back on it later in the night, which we'll get to, I think what's going to happen here is I think that Sami Zayn is going to be the one to turn on the bloodline. Kevin Owens is going to convince Sami Zayn to be the man he used to be and Sammy is going to be the one to turn on the bloodline. That's what I think is going to happen. Yeah, yes, the beatdown of Sami Zayn could occur. He'd get a lot of babyface heat. But think of the massive pop that would occur if Roman Reigns is holding Kevin Owens down 
in the corner telling Sammy to hit him with a halluva kick, screaming at Sammy to hit Kevin with a halluva kick, and instead, Sammy hits one on Roman Reigns. Massive pop. That's where I think this story is going. Now, I don't know when we're going to get there, but that's where I think this story is going to go. That's what I thought a while back when Sammy first started getting involved with the bloodline, but then this Usy stuff got super over. They clearly wanted to ride it out for a little bit, but I think that's where this story is going. I think Sami Zayn is going to be the one to turn on the bloodline. He'll still get a massive pop, but it'll give him so much more credibility if rather than getting beaten down at some point, he's the one that turns on the bloodline and he was and and he just he proves that Jay was right. All along that's what he was planning on doing. He was going to turn on the bloodline anyways and he was just waiting for the moment and he was finally tired of being emasculated by Roman Reigns. I think that's where we're going to go here. Even though we got that apology later in the night, which I will get to. But Kevin Owens versus Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble. I'm super hyped about it. I'm a huge Kevin Owens fan. All the matches that Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns had before were great. I'm super stoked that we're back there again. Uh, I don't think that 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 Kevin Owens is going to win the title there, but I do think that it's going to play a pivotal part in the next in, in the storylines leading up to WrestleMania and everything going on with Roman Reigns and Sammy and the Usos, and maybe a special uh, guest. Uh, family member. Okay, moving on. Uh, after the break, Charlotte pulled up in a dope car, and her return later in the show got hyped up. And then we got Kofi Kingston versus Santos Escobar. Uh, a confrontation from earlier in the day was shown before the match, where Santos approached him during an interview. Santos told Kofi that he's looking forward to eliminating him from the Rumble, and that the sun is setting on the new day. As far as the match itself, Kofi started firing up late in the match after an awesome stomp and then hit the boom drop, but Legato got involved and the numbers were too much, allowing Santos to hit the Phantom Driver for the win. Pretty big win here for Santos Escobar. And I really did like this match. It was cool to see Lucha Kofi doing his thing. He's one of those guys who wrestles good matches with literally everyone, and this was no different. Uh, I'm not sure what I think about Santos beating a former world champion and a current NXT tag champion, just like as a personal preference, but it wasn't a clean victory, so I don't think anyone should get too bent out of shape about this, because really, it was just a good match that had good action within and, you know, this win does help build up Santos Escobar. I think that they've done a really good job of making Santos Escobar look like a star since he's been brought up to SmackDown. And getting win over someone like Kofi, who is a former world champion, definitely cannot hurt him at all. But I did, you know, I... I, I I feel like you know him being a former world champion needs to be taken into consideration a little more when people are pinning him. Um, that's a that's a former world champion. I don't think that that his you know even though his world title reign was a few years ago now, I still think there are people who hold it in very high regard. So I think a win over Kofi does 
mean a lot. But like I said, nothing to get too bent out of shape about. It wasn't a clean win. And, you know, Kofi is so beloved by the fans that I don't think any loss really hurts any any member of New Day whatsoever. After that, a stressed Sami Zayn is shown trying to get in the bloodline locker room. But Hall, but Paul, <laughs> Hall Heyman, <laughs> but Paul Heyman tells him now is not the time. Paul also reminds Sammy that life in the bloodline is staying three steps ahead. As a dejected Sammy looks to be thinking about what he said. We'll get to that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Sammy Zayn, even though I told you my prediction uh, at the top. We'll talk more a little more about Sammy Zayn when we get to the actual apology. But first, we had Liv Morgan declaring herself for the Royal Rumble. And she also said that she loves chaos, so she'd love to start at number one. I actually think that's a really good plan. You know, so often, too, the number one spot is a surprise, you know. Uh, But I actually, you know, maybe they'll just, not to make it too obvious, they won't give her the number one, but they'll put Liv at number two now instead. But either way, I think a Liv Morgan Royal Rumble run where she goes from nearly the beginning to nearly the end is something I would love to see for the Women's Royal Rumble She had a huge year in 2022. She has continued to keep that momentum alive since losing the title. People still believe in her. People still are big fans of Liv Morgan. So I thought it was smart to highlight that she's going to be in the Royal Rumble and potentially early in the match. I would love to see that for her. I think that Liv Morgan is someone who is so beloved by people that having her run the gauntlet like that, well, maybe not. I don't think she's going to win the whole Royal Rumble. But if she, if she's like one of the first and makes it till the end, she will gain so much out of it. And I think that she has the ability to do that. I mean, obviously that takes some stamina. And I think it takes some creativity to continually be making things interesting. And I think, you know, a babyface who's doing that needs to be someone who fans really will continue to cheer for that long. Will continue to be sold on the idea of that person winning the Royal Rumble to well they'll to where they will follow uh they will follow along on the ride to possibly seeing it happen. So I think that Liv Morgan is someone the fans will continue to cheer for from beginning to the end even if she doesn't necessarily make it. So I really did like the idea of her announcing ahead of time that you might see something like that. Um, And I don't think we have any other women's Royal Rumble participants that were announced. Um, But I I will say I've, I've never understood the logic of who can declare, who has to qualify, who gets to be a surprise, who... You know, like, all those questions don't really get answered. I think they used to pick them out of, like, a like they they pick their numbers. That made a lot more sense to me, people coming in and picking their numbers. But I understand why some people can declare, some people can, can try to declare, but it not be allowed. Some people have to qualify. I just don't know what the parameters are, but I would say... One of the parameters you'd think for being able to declare yourself is a former world champion, and Liv does have those accolades. All right, next, 
LA Knight was interviewed about his upcoming pitch black match. Knight says he feels good about Bray Wyatt's plan blowing up in his face last week. And at the end of the night at Royal Rumble, everyone will be talking about him, not Bray Wyatt. I gotta say, man, LA Knight has done such a fan-freaking-tastic job of selling this match. He also, there was a promo he was in that was an advertisement uh, that he posted on his social media. But it was great, dude. Like, he has really, because you gotta look at this 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 whole story. Like, Bray Wyatt is has got this whole deep, dark, twisted uh, lore that's being built up here. There's a whole movie we're seeing play. There was a whole movie we're seeing play. uh, Excuse me. There's a whole movie we are seeing play out with Bray Wyatt. And LA Knight is just seemingly uh, a scene of this long movie that we're seeing with Bray Wyatt. But I think that as far as like, selling this match is concerned. Like, I don't know if any of the stuff we've seen with Bray Wyatt is necessarily, like, selling this match. It's telling an interesting story, but I don't know if it's been selling any matches, if that makes any sense. But what has been selling the match itself has been LA Knight. LA Knight has made me want to see this match. LA Knight has talked me into being excited about this match. I want to see... First of all, what this match is. Because we still got no details on what a pitch black match is. But they at least said there are no rules in this match. No disqualification, pinfall, submission only. Um, and I don't think it's going to be in the dark. Because then we as fans wouldn't be able to see it. But I'm interested nonetheless as to what this actual match is. But all that aside, like the way LA Knight has his confidence has continued to grow with each segment that he has been in with Bray Wyatt has been fantastic to see. And just to the segments that he's been in at all, I think that, you know, I don't know if I said this before, but I always feel like in order for someone to become the best version of themselves in their career, they need someone to believe in them. They need someone to believe that they can take them further. They need someone to, they need to, creative people need someone to, to believe in their abilities so that they can believe in their abilities. And you I, I just you can see the fact that Triple H has given LA Knight the ball here, given him a huge opportunity at bat against Bray Wyatt in his return, and said, hey, you want to try and outshine Bray Wyatt? Go for it. I love it, dude, because LA Knight, I, I don't know, I wouldn't say outshine is the word, but he has easily risen to the level of Bray Wyatt. I want to see whatever the hell... This pitch black match is going to be, I wonder if it's going to be a cinematic match. I don't know. I'm interested. And I really would say that I would give a lot of the credit in my interest of this match itself to LA Knight and the promo work that he has done to sell me into wanting to watch him possibly, possibly defeat Bray Wyatt. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm loving the Bray Wyatt storyline. Loving it. I'm just saying they're, they really do two, They really do feel like two separate things. There's this Bray Wyatt storyline and there's this match itself. And there's one person really who has talked me into the match. Making me want to see these two guys wrestle. That's LA Knight. Next, we had Karrion Cross and Scarlett versus Madcap Moss and Emma. Yes, Scarlett's 
first match in WWE. How crazy is that? How crazy is it that she didn't wrestle the whole time she was in NXT? She's wrestled before. It's not like she's never wrestled. Crazy that this is her first match in WWE. And I felt like she did a fantastic job in the short amount of time that she was in the ring. Now, they didn't have a ton of time. There was only a short amount of time. But come on. The fact that she's out there busting busting like a, I I think it was Northern Lights suplex type move. She's busting out suplexes? Come on. That's what I like to see, dude. That's awesome, dude. I would love to see more of Scarlett wrestling. I think Scarlett could be an asset to the WWE women's division. She has such a unique presence on screen. She is someone that captivates you and grabs your attention whenever she's on screen. I want to see a full match with just Scarlett against somebody else. I think that she is just as much of a star as Karrion Cross has the potential to be. Both of them as a package, great. Both of them, separate, fantastic performers. Together, they make a great duo. But I would love to see Scarlett get the opportunity to do her own singles thing as well. Cross doesn't necessarily need to be there to support her ringside, but if he is... Even better, I think the two of them as a unit, both wrestling, would make the act even more intimidating than they already are. Because they already are an intimidating force when Scarlett's not even wrestling. But when she, but, but if she were to wrestle, I think it would add a new wrinkle to their dynamic. I think that... Scarlet wrestling is the way to go going forward. She doesn't have to wrestle all the time, but I think that she should be given more matches. I really want to see what she is like in a full match. Let's just do Emma versus Scarlet at the at, 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 a, at a SmackDown coming up. I'd be into that. Might as well. Adds more depth to the division, and it gives m- more to the it, it gives the scarlet character more as a as a dynamic uh individual personally did i say that right i think i worded that right that sounds like i worded that right uh, uh emma had the pin on scarlet once in this match but cross pulled her off which caused him to get slapped by emma madcap then tagged in and went after carrion but scarlet grabbed him by the leg which allowed cross to gain control and get the submission victory with the cross jacket. After the match, he put Rey Mysterio's mask on Madtap, Madtap? Madcap to continue sending a message. Poor Rey Mysterio, man. Guy can't catch a break. He's got his son just ruining all of his holidays. He's got this scary tarot card reader calling him out, stealing his mask. He's injured. Right after he gets to SmackDown, just not fun times for Rey Mysterio. But I am looking forward to the inevitable Rey Mysterio versus Karrion Cross feud. I think they're going to put on some entertaining matches when, when we finally get there. Rey Mysterio, obviously a legend, but I think that I think that he would work. I, I have a feeling that his style is going to mesh well with Karrion Cross when we finally get there. Well, we'll have to wait. And see, because we're not there yet. Where we are at is Drew McIntyre 
and Sheamus, who were shown chatting earlier in the day at Jerry Lawler's bar in Memphis. Sheamus says he's proud to call Drew an honorary brute and how all the matches they had beating each other up only made them closer. Uh, they keep hyping each other up and their friendship and slapping each other in, in the chest to get riled up for the match later. And then Drew and Sheamus lead the bar in a banger after banger chant. This was fun. Nothing really too much to analyze here, but you always like when you get the people involved, and the people involved seem to enjoy it. It was funny. You could see they were all like waiting for their cue, and the second they got it, they all just turned around and started saying their line, but it was cute. It was a nice little, nice little uh, wave, including the fans, or at least the people who were drinking in the middle of the day at Jerry Lawler's bar. <laughs> Charlotte Flair came out after that. Said she misses the fans. She then basically called Rhonda a bitch, which elicited a thank you Charlotte chant from the crowd that took her back a bit. Charlotte says whether you love her or love to hate her, she was taken. Uh, she was blown away by the positive reactions to her title win last week. Flair adds that she's all about three things: passion, consistency, and dedication for what she does in the ring. And she's not complicit. She will not rest or coast, and she'll knock down any obstacle in her way. Uh, she's then interrupted by Sonya Deville, but before Sonya can begin explaining why she even came out, the crowd for some reason started chanting, whoop that trick, <laughs> which I don't know why. Uh, and and then it leads to a challenge from Sonya, and Charlotte accepts, I accept trick, which was so funny. Which is like, I can't hear you. I think they're calling you a trick. All of it was so good. It was so random. It was one of those organic moments when you watch it. And you're just like, what is happening? Why did this happen? Uh, but but so much fun. I think that when these organic moments happen, you have to ride that wave. And you have to just play along with it. And Charlotte played that to perfection. Which only further reinforced my belief from last week. That Charlotte Flair and this face run with the title under Triple H is going to work. They're already chanting, thank you, Charlotte, somehow. They're, they're chanting along fun things with Charlotte Flair. She's playing along with it. This felt like the most natural Charlotte Flair we've seen in a while. She didn't seem to be trying to play anything up. She was just being who she is, which is a confident person who likes to win. I think people do enjoy winners. I think that she can be fun when given the opportunity to be fun, and we see that here. I saw a lot of people replying to my tweets saying, like, wow, this was a great way of portraying Charlotte. And I'm like, yeah, well, that's what I was trying to tell people last week, but people had their doubts. But I think Charlotte is so savvy, dude. She's so savvy, and so is Triple H. And I think if you give her these moments where she can have fun with the crowd, where she can play along, where she doesn't seem like an unrelatable person, where she instead seems like someone you can relate with, I think that that is ultimately going to be the thing that makes her succeed as a face this time. Because there's always the old Charlotte if they want to. They can go back to the heel Charlotte. It's not hard to go back to it. She, she can easily play cocky Charlotte in a second. She's already, there's, but there's like, there's a difference between cocky and confident. Especially when you want to face 
to be confident. They want to exude confidence, but you also want them to be relatable. And Charlotte, so far, has done a good job of that. Um, I think that the, she's she's doing a good job of, of, of exuding this happier presence this time, this more babyface persona. And, I, I, I mean, the, the, the fact that they were chanting, thank you, Charlotte, for just beating Ronda Rousey, really surprised me. It made me think that... It made me think that it's not going to be as difficult to get people on Charlotte's side as Twitter makes it seem. I think that this is going to be a good run for Charlotte. I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. I don't know. I've been thinking more and more about like who she could wrestle at WrestleMania. I've seen other people mentioning things. I like some of the, the things people are mentioning. Um... I do think it'd be very cool if they could find a way to bring Naomi back and we get Naomi versus Charlotte at WrestleMania. That would be cool. Um, but then she'd probably not be the baby face anymore in that scenario. Uh, but either way, uh, I- I'm looking forward to seeing where this is going and it's clearly working so far. Uh, next, after that, we finally got the match. Sonya Deville versus Charlotte Flair. And it was a quick one. Didn't last too long. Charlotte eventually hit the spear before locking in the figure eight to get the win. Then we got a Lacey Evans video package after that showing her using her military training in the wrestling ring now, and it ended by saying her method of destruction has become the Cobra Clutch. So basically, Lacey is going to be the modern-day Sergeant Slaughter. Got it. I, you know, it makes sense for her character and why not take stuff from the past? Might as well take stuff from the past, modernize it, update it, and give it to the the, the, the the audience of today. That's literally all you see on TV and in movies. They're taking old ideas, finding ways to modernize them, and presenting it to a new audience. You find something that was already a success, modernize it. Kids are going to eat it up. That's what works. It's it's worked forever. So there's nothing wrong with taking from the past, especially when you're going that far back in the past. No offense to anyone listening to this that watched Sergeant Slaughter as a kid, but you're old. <laughs> and that's enough time has passed to where it can be taken from again. Might as well. I think that, you know, when I watch even older than that, you know, sometimes when I was doing those Twitch streams, and I was watching stuff from black and white wrestling. I'd watch it and go, man, someone could steal this. I was watching stuff from the 60s and 70s going, man, this is a gimmick that would work now. So there's nothing wrong with taking the Sergeant Slaughter gimmick, modernizing it, and giving it to a new audience in Lacey Evans and her new repackage. And how her method of destruction has become the Cobra Clutch. Maybe she'll get her own... G.I. Joe action figure out of it. Next, Ricochet versus Top Dalla Royal Rumble qualifier. This was another quick match that saw Ricochet beat Top Dalla with ease after landing a shooting star press. After the match, Top Dalla went for a handshake as a sign of respect to his friend Ricochet, and Ricochet accepted. But then, of course, as I predicted last week on the podcast, Hit row, beat him down to turn heel. B-Fab even got in the mix. Did a running boot with those shoes. Did not look like it'd be fun 
take. Braun Strowman made the save eventually, and the group dipped out. But this made all the sense in the world, and you could see them leaning into it all week. You could see them even on the show leaning into it, or excuse me, the digital. Uh, there was a digital that was released earlier in the day where Megan Morant, I believe, went to ask a question to hit row, and they were totally healing it up at this point. And and I think that, like I said last week, I believe that Hit Row turning heel will be a good thing for the group. I think they need to find themselves a little more again as a trio. I think that this will be the thing that helps them, you know, find that that inner attitude. I think that they were happy before. They were they were happy to be there before, but now they got to fight. To stay there. And I think that's the attitude we're going to see from them now. They're not pushovers. They're, they're not these fun guys. Uh, they are serious business there to make money. So I like this. I like this. I thought it worked well. I think that the, the it makes sense to continue pushing forward with that. And I think that with the right stories, with the right attitude, with the right uh, way of being done... It's going to be a good thing for a hit row in the end. And then, you know, it always happens. It always happens. Things come back around. We'll get the old fun hit row again. They just got to get over. They got to get over first with the the audience watching them on SmackDown. And it feels like some of them weren't watching that era of NXT, which is why Legato and Hit Row aren't as familiar to them. Legato is getting over more while Hit Row needed something new, and this was the right approach. This was definitely the right approach. Yeah, I've had a I've had a week on wrestling Twitter. Feel like sometimes when you want story, there's a portion of fans who get mad about it, and I'm like, "Yo, when pro wrestling's on TV, it's episodic television." Uh, is drama it's 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 turns it's it's heel turns it's it's uh angry lover uh you know it's 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 someone getting their face burned it's you know it's all these things someone getting tossed off a bridge i don't know there's all these things that happen it's a male soap opera and when i talk about how oh i'd want to see this i'll get hundreds of replies of people being like oh wwe brain this is stupid and i'm like no, this is just me thinking of creative television. I'm sorry that you just want everyone to get along and for everyone to just be feuding over who's the best wrestler, but I like stories. Sue me. Uh, there was also a video package that aired after this to promote next week's IC title match between Braun Strowman and Gunta. The bloodline were shown in their locker room after that, and Roman told Paul Heyman to bring him Sami Zayn. Moments later, Sammy presented himself and apologized for making Roman feel that way. Reigns says that he doesn't accept. And as tribal chief, he holds himself to a very high standard. And at the end of the day, he has to control his anger. And no one deserves to be spoken like that. So instead, he's the one who is apologizing. Uh, shocked Sami Zayn obviously accepts. And Roman admits he took he took his anger of KO. Uh, and Roman admits that he took his anger of KO out on Sammy earlier. But now they're gonna fix it. Heyman informs Sammy after that that he's got an opportunity to redeem himself next week in a match against Kevin Owens. And Sammy says he'll take care of Kevin next week for Roman. And then they sit to watch the main event tag title match together. Now, 
Roman's doing a lot of gaslighting. He's 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 gaslighting the hell out of Sami Zayn. Poor Sami Zayn getting gaslit. Obviously. Obviously at this point, we all know that Roman is not being sincere. It almost feels like he's only doing this to show Kevin Owens that he runs the show here and he can even take his best friend, Sami Zayn. But that's why I think, like I said earlier, that's why I think that Sami is going to be the one to turn because think about it. Think about it. Think about it. The crowd will go. They'll they, The crowd will have so much sympathy for Sami if he gets beaten down by the by the bloodline. But everyone's expecting that. Think of how much more over he'd be as a babyface if he's one of the few people to, in, to, to, to sneak his way. He's, one of the, he's the only person to sneak his way into the bloodline and turn on Roman Reigns physically with a haluva kick to the face. Haluva kick himself into a title match. I think that that makes so much more sense and gives him so much more credibility down the line. Either way, I loved this scene. Roman Reigns apologizing was hilarious. You could see uh, in Paul Heyman's face his his frustration with the fact that Sammy was getting an apology when when he has never gotten an apology from Roman Reigns, even though he has been dressed down countless times by the tribal chief. I'm sure when... Jey Uso hears that clip as well. He is also not going to be happy. But as everyone keeps saying, this bloodline story is the best thing that's been in WWE in so long. Uh, It keeps you wondering what's going to happen. It keeps your attention. It makes you want to tune in to see what's going to happen after that. So this this week's episode was no different. All the stuff with Sami Zayn and Roman was great. Definitely some pretty big developments in that ongoing story. Lastly, the main event, the Usos versus Drew McIntyre and Sheamus. Drew McIntyre hit a Claymore on Jay Uso near the end of the match, but Jimmy made the save for their team. The Usos hit the 1D on Sheamus not long after that. But then it was Drew McIntyre who made the save who made the save for their team that time. Solo Sokoa attacked Drew McIntyre on the outside after that. Then the brawling brutes ran out to help even the odds, fought him into the crowd. Sheamus tried to hit the white noise, but lost his balance. And Jimmy got a roll-up win after Jay used his feet to help prop his brother up. So, main event. You know, I think that... I just feel like we're they're, they're using the Usos too much. And I love the Usos. I'm always entertained by the Usos. It's not like this match wasn't entertaining. But, I mean, they're, they're, they're carrying the shows a little too much now at this point. Give some other main events out to some other people. Uh, I think there's only so many Usos main events before it starts to feel... I don't want to say stale because that's not the right... The, no Usos match is ever going to be stale. They're great wrestlers. They always have entertaining matches. But I think as far as ending the show on a high note, physically, you know, match-wise, yeah... Ended the show on a high note. But I really do like those cliffhangers where you want to make sure you're tuning in next week. And the the end of the show didn't necessarily make me go like, oh, I have to tune in next week. Uh, It felt like a lot of these things technically got wrapped up. We even got 
an apology from Roman by the end, so there was no real cliffhanger there either. Just you know, matches scheduled for next week, which are great. Don't get me wrong. I'm excited for these matches. Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn. Never going to complain about that. Braun Strowman versus Gunther. That's going to be good. Um, but I just, yeah, I felt like um, there was a lot of stuff happening in this episode. Uh, some big developments in the Bloodline story. And then the ending just kind of left me feeling like, oh, okay, that was the end. So that's not bad. I just felt like it could there could have been something to get me a little more excited at the end there. That's just me. Tell me what you think. Tell me what you thought about this week's episode of Friday Night Smackdown by tweeting me at Ryan Satin and letting me know. You can also follow WWE on Fox on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. We are all across the board available on social media, so go follow us on all those platforms. Also, if you're listening to this podcast, make sure you subscribe to this feed so you get these podcasts throughout the week. And if you enjoy listening to them, if you enjoy hearing me talk to myself for 45 minutes this much, do me a favor, go to whatever platform you're listening on and leave a rating or a review. If you're on Spotify, just click those stars. If you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a written review. I try my best to read them here on the show when I see new ones trickle in. Also, go subscribe to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. That's where you can find Out of Character on video every Wednesday. You can find clips from Raw SmackDown. There's YouTube shorts, both from WWE and from Out of Character with your boy. Bunch of stuff going on there. There's a community tab. Everything that you'd want to have from a YouTube channel, it's available on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. So go subscribe there. I think I covered everything. Yeah, yeah. I think I covered everything. All right. That's it. I'm done. Officially tapping out for now. I'll be back next week on Monday for another Raw Roundup. But until then, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been another SmackDown Roundup. Yeah.